Welcome to In the Room. My name is Ryan Hughley. Uh, I'm your host. Uh, excited to be back. I'm here with Scott Holthouse, who has uh, engineered and produced and edited our podcast from the beginning. It has been over a year now uh, since we have posted an episode of In the Room. We ended our last episode with Scott and I talking about um, an upcoming ministry transition for me. I moved uh, from Chicago to uh, Harvest Bible Chapel of Hickory, North Carolina, and so been here just over a year now. And so we figured... Uh, rather than go right into another interview with someone else, that we would catch up on um, our lives and ministries over the last year and where we've been and what we've learned, uh, and then talk a little bit about uh, the future of In the Room. So, Scott, thanks yeah. for being here. Yeah, it's good to be here. And uh, we are, uh, yeah, we're here sitting in the church building. My family and I uh, moved down here as well. And uh, Been here how long now? Now about a month. Great. Just got through good just in time for Good Friday and Easter. Yeah, just got through Good Friday and Easter. Feels good to be on the other side of that. Um, but yeah, I know that I know that in the transition for us, there are, it's just a world of um, things that are amazing, things that are hard, and all of that. And so I'm sure you guys have have a long list of those. But uh, as you think about kind of coming down here, what what are some things that have just, uh, especially since it's been uh, a year almost exactly, what are some mm-hmm. things that have been really positives uh, for you guys? Yeah. Well, that's a great question. Um, I think some of the things have been, I mean, right off the top of my head, because it's such a stark difference for us has been uh, on the family front, you know, the cost of real estate is significantly different yeah. here they, like, than it was. They give you houses for free. <laughs> yeah, it it's feels amazing. like that. Um, so our house here, we were in a, uh, and this, I mean, depending on where people live, this might sound big to them, but we had, there's five of us, I have three kids, and we lived in about 1,100 square foot, two bedroom, one bath house in Chicago. And then we came down here and we got a house that is, I mean, not, uh, is more than twice the size of that. Yeah. And our mortgage, I believe, is like exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been, pr- that's been really amazing. Um, I mean, we love uh, our proximity to the mountains now. Yeah. It's really awesome. And uh, it's beautiful here. We have um, four seasons other than just like horrible summer, horrible winter, yeah. which was like Chicago weather. There's that. And then there's like rainy days in between yeah. in Chicago. Yeah. And, that's about and then it. like three hours of spring that yeah. are amazing. <laughs> and uh, Hope you're not busy. Yep. And um, our kids have an amazing school that they go to. Yeah. Um, we've been able to see God do some amazing things on the ministry front and work in people's lives. And I think uh, one amazing thing is just seeing that the sheer fact that God has sustained us through the last year has been an amazing thing. I think, you know, one really major thing that I've really seen a lot in the last um, few months, especially is just the number of really kind, generous, loving people that God has surrounded us with, which is really important. You know, when you're transitioning away from everybody that you know and love, um, that's one of the greatest gifts I think that God could give us. Yeah. Cause I mean, we have, we have the advantage of, of, of you guys being down here, um, and, uh, and pastor Tyler's down here as mm-hmm. well. And so we, we kind of have, um, some community mm-hmm. friends, uh, you know, our kids have friends coming down here. And so to come down here with none of that, yeah, I, yeah, that was the toughest really thing hard. for sure was just, and, and you, you know, I've, I've had friends like you for a very long time and you learn pretty quickly. You don't, you don't rebuild friendships like that quickly. Yeah. And, uh, so that was, um, one of the most difficult things for sure. Hmm. Um, but God's been really gracious in that. Yeah. What about, um, when you look at the things, uh, as far as, um, uh, 
I know, I know we talked before we, before, you know, Becky and I and the kids came uh-huh. down, but just how, like how you lead your family through that transition. And then especially as you're here, I know we've had some conversation mm-hmm. around like how to, how to do that well and yeah. how to do that in a way. Cause I just think that especially, you know, some people listening to this mm-hmm. are going to make a similar transition sure. are in the middle of it, you know? So what are some of those things? Yeah, I think, I think, you know, one thing that it's been really good for is just the way that it has caused our family to tighten Mm. and to come together. Um, And I think that's God's grace because I'm sure transitions like this sometimes drive a wedge between a couple or in a family and it has not done that for us. It's definitely strengthened us. I think, you know, as far as some practical things that maybe God has used to help that, I think um, one would certainly be to allow, to have hard days together. Um, was a big thing. I mean, I'm, I'm not exaggerating to say that I think Tammy and I cried every day for a month. Yeah, she probably kept crying longer than I did. Yeah, um, but it was just really, and it, and it wasn't because anybody did anything to us or because there was some major thing wrong. It's right. just hard yeah. to move and. And so that was a big thing. I mean, I think that Tammy and I like cried and ate ice cream and watched Netflix every <laughs> every night for a month. Yeah. And and truthfully, for that for a period of time, that was really good. I think if we were a year in and that was still yeah. all we were doing, that'd probably be unhealthy. Yeah, but, I just call that Friday night. Yeah, period. exactly. But. That's date night. <laughs> um. So, but that was really, I think, an important thing for us to allow for hard days yeah. together. I think another thing that was really helpful for us is. I've tried to really frame this as an adventure, especially mm. for our kids um, from the beginning. And I want my kids to, to grow up seeing me model courage. Yeah. And I want to, them grow up practicing courage and it takes courage to step out into something new. Yeah. And so I think in little ways, I think you know, on days off, you know, that we've had, we've just tried to take these little mini adventures together. So we've done a lot of hiking. Yeah. We've explored Charlotte and other nearby uh, areas. And so I think trying to really get out of the day-to-day and into something where we're just a little bit more focused on our family and our time together, that's been another thing I think that's been really good. And I think the last thing I'd say is just a regular check-in, both with Tammy and with my kids on how how are we doing. You know, and it's hard when, when my kids are nine... Uh, six and four. Yeah. And so checking in with them, you know, is not always the most, they're not always the most articulate about how they feel, but still mm-hmm. trying to monitor where they're at and how they're doing in that. Yeah. But with Tammy, for sure, regularly checking in on, you know, how, how are we doing? How are you doing? And then, um, you know, having to just walk through that together. Yeah, that's good. Um, how many snakes have you seen since being here? Myself, I have only seen one. Thank the Lord. One I saw many. a giant black snake crossing the road oh. uh, when I was coming home from church within like a month of being here. That was really the moment where I was like, yeah, I don't know if this is going to work. Yeah. My, uh, uh, Becky and I, you know, uh-huh. we're looking for a house and kind of in that process. And we looked at one the other day and leading up to the door, mm-hmm. like they, it was like, it was like a decorative thing, but they left the grass really high. Uh-huh. And all I thought of was like, that's prime snake hiding oh, spot. Oh yeah, straight up. I would either cut the grass or we can't have this house because yeah. they're going to bite my They're ankles. probably in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so don't yeah, get that house. Sure. No, we I then Tammy was out with a friend um, on a walking path uh, trail and she saw a baby copperhead. Oof. Which that would have been. Don't, I was not there. Thank God. That yeah. would have been the end of the the end of the road for and me. They're like vampires, right? Like yeah, the baby super, ones are yeah, stronger yeah. and real intense. Yes, I did learn in coming here that there. I believe there's like three types of 
poisonous snakes in America, and yeah. all three of them live in North Carolina. Oof. So we had a lot of great things about our state. That's not one of them. That's not one. No. no. Um, so <clears throat> when you like kind of switching gears from the the family and personal front, mm-hmm. and you know jump into ministry and everything that has happened here at the church mm-hmm. in the last year, what? Um, what are some things that you feel like you're super encouraged by? Mm-hmm. And then are there any things that looking back, you feel like, well, I wish either, I wish I did this different or, um, you know, anything that you would look back on and say, um, you know, if I was able to do again, I'd do it mm-hmm. like this. Yeah. That's a good question. I think on the positive end, I think just all God has, sustained us through, you know, I mean, I, as the thing I'm the most encouraged by and, and that the, I believe the general temperature in our church is just really hot in a good way. Like yeah. I, I believe that our church is more aligned, uh, than what it's been. I think people are very, uh, God's work in our church is very evident mm-hmm. to people. And so I think as a result of that, people are very enthusiastic and excited about what God's doing. You yeah. know, I mean, I just get I mean, literally almost every day, at least some form of communication about a specific way that God's at work in someone's life. And so I think as a pastor, nothing makes me more excited than than knowing that God's at work and seeing fruit and evidence of that. And so I think that's for sure the number one thing. I think I'm super excited about where we're at as a staff you know, I mean, it's difficult to go through a transition of a senior leader. Yeah. Um, and there's so many ways that can go wrong. And, and it's not been easy by any means over the last year, but our staff is in a season where we are much more aligned than yeah. I think that we've, than we've been. And, uh, and I'm super encouraged by that. Um, awesome. And um, especially just coming out of Good Friday and Easter and seeing the way that we were all hands on deck, people yeah. serving in each other's ministry areas, even if it wasn't in their job description. I love the way that that is something that is really taking root in our culture, that we're just, our, our commitment is to Jesus yeah. and to his mission of making disciples and to one another. And so we're gonna get the ministry done. And if I can help you, I'm gonna jump in on that and vice versa. And I just see that happening all over the place. And I'm really, really thrilled about that. Yeah, it's awesome. I think that if I could go back and give myself advice a year ago, I think one thing I would say... Which is a better way to frame that question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I think I wish that I could go back a year ago. It's probably why it's on my mind and give myself some advice. I think think one thing uh, would be... Also, I want to draw attention to your DeLorean joke. Thank you. I'm not going to just blow by. It received too small of a laugh. (laughs) So um, if I had a flux capacitor, then I would would go back. And I think I would tell myself um, that... Uh, that that it's okay to be more patient mm. with yourself, with people, with the process of just getting. And I think that's not just a ministry thing. I think that even just getting settled and and feeling comfortable and all of those things. Just be patient. It just it takes time. I mean, yeah. we're a year in, and and I think that truly, Tammy and I are just at the beginning stages of feeling some sense of settled, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. And I just would tell myself, be patient, be patient, be patient. It takes time mm-hmm. on every front in your life. I think that I would go back and say, I've spent a lot of time with people for sure over the last year. Um, I mean, the number of um, 
appointments and meetings and lunches and dinners and all of that that I've had over the last year has been for sure more than I can count. Yeah. Um, and I think I'd go back and just say, you can't spend enough time with people, hmm. um, whether that be staff, elders, friends, people in the church, just, you just can't do that enough. So never wonder, like, do I need to dial that back? Am yeah. I doing too much of that? And so I think though I have done a lot, especially for me and the way that I'm wired and God's put me together, I think I could have, I could definitely do more. Mm. And I've, I've taken some steps, even just in my calendar and things like that to afford more margin to be able to spend more time in the lives of people. Yeah, that's good. And uh, let's see, what else would I go back and say? Um, I think that, you know, I've spent a lot of time thinking um, and praying about change, rate of change, pace of change, all of that. And, um, and I still don't know exactly what I think about that. Yeah. You know, I think there are certain things that um, I know that um, I... I know that change, we've had a lot of change in the last year. I mean, yeah. me coming on here was a massive change and we've changed Bible translation and there's been, um, we're still preaching the Bible, so that's good. We didn't change like what we were preaching, just we're we went from the- preaching out of the teen sport edition. That's right. We went from the NASB, the New American Standard to the ESV. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, so there's things like that and some language changes around our connection process. And yeah. so there's been a lot of little changes like that. And I think some of that stuff, I would definitely go back and just, I would really, I would, I would tell myself to, to do a better job of asking, you know, is this critical? Mm. Like, is it mission critical? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And things that are not mission critical, I would just say, just calm down yeah. and be more patient and know that, you know, you're settled in for the long haul. You don't have to change all of that. It doesn't need to happen overnight. Yeah. And so um, I would say that for sure. And uh, I think sometimes, uh, I think sometimes too, I, I can confuse like, so that what what's the mission of the church? Mm-hmm. And then, like, do I have do I have any bit of a personal mission yeah. within that? Yeah. And sometimes I know for me, like, I have to check the change being mission critical to my personal. Yep. One, you know what I mean? Totally. And uh, and I know like it. It's just kind of kind of asking. So like, is this is this is this helpful mm-hmm. for the people or is it just so, like, is this something that I really yeah. want to do? And, um, and I think it's hard. It it's is. Really and hard. anybody that steps into something that they, like I founded redemption. So, yeah. um, there weren't too many things that I wanted to change cause I would have changed it. Right. Cause when you found a church, that's just one of the luxuries right. of that. If you're going to step into something existing, like I did a year ago, there's just going to be a bunch of things that are not the way that you founded them, yeah. and you're going to want to change them. And yeah. I do. I think that your point is super valid. I think I would go back and say, don't worry about the preferential thing, your own personal preference things. Yeah. Worry about what's mission critical. You know, ironically, it's the same advice that we give to people that when we make changes in the church and they are rubbed wrong by them or don't understand them or get sideways about them, it's the thing that we preach to them. Like, yeah. well, you shouldn't be hung up on stuff that, yeah. that is preferential. Just be hung up on what's mission critical. But I think as a pastor, I can do a better job in thinking through those categorically as well. Like, yeah. Is this really mission critical or is this something that is just like, I don't like what it's called or where it's yeah. at or how it looks or... Yeah. And I think those things... 
I just think that I, again, patience is hard for me. Um, but I can, I could really use a lot more patience even still yeah. in a lot of those areas. Well, and I remember when we planted redemption, uh, I mean, I'll speak for myself, but I think, it, I think you would agree. Like I cared so much about how it looked, mm-hmm. how it sounded, the, the stuff. And, that, and yeah. it doesn't mean that that stuff doesn't matter. Right. But I think as we went on in ministry, we just realized how it matters and it doesn't matter. Yeah. At yeah, the same it, time, it doesn't. Know. I think that not everything matters the same. Yeah, and I think that um, in my, I just think that I, I I'm trying to learn to be much more discerning about what matters most. Mm-hmm. And 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 I I mean all those things about the way things look and the way things sound and what things are called, all of that informs the culture of a church. Yeah, but I think even you know, to go back to your first question about what, what are the things that I'm the most excited about? All like what I really care about mm-hmm. is that God's at work. Yeah. Even if everything's not exactly the way that totally. I want it to be, yeah. if I, I don't want to be at a place yeah. where everything's exactly the way that I want it yeah. to be, but God's not at yeah. work. A I'm not excited the, about a that. A move of God with, you know, cheesy names or what, whatever it may be. Yeah, and I'm not saying that's here, yeah. but like, that's way better than it is. But at least our things cool, right? Um, yeah, no, yeah, totally agree. Um, now, uh, if transitioning your family down here, mm-hmm. starting at a new church, and uh, and and having the the year that you did wasn't enough, mm-hmm. you decided to also write a book in the midst of that. Yeah, I literally, <laughs> I remember we were uh, we were pulling into the parking spot um, at our apartment on March 14th last year when we got here. And I checked my email as soon as we parked because that's what you do. Yep. And uh, <laughs> At least you were parked. That's right. And, and I had an email from Drew Dick at Moody Publishing um, with an offer uh, on this book. And yeah. so awesome. I thought, why not? Let's add one more thing to the mix. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and so, yeah, can you just give everyone kind of the, uh, if you haven't heard via social media, but the, the title and then the release date? Sure. Yeah. It's called uh, Eight Hours or Less. The subtitle is Writing Faithful Sermons Faster which is really the big objective mm-hmm. that I'm after. Uh, it comes out next month, May 2nd is the release date. It's awesome. Um, and the uh, kind of the impetus behind it is I spent the first four years of preaching where my process was largely, I'd do some textual work, commentary reading stuff on Monday, mm-hmm. and then do like a lot of pastoral stuff as a church planter, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday was like, that was the day. Yeah. And, uh, and I'd go in my study and I would outline and write all day long and it was just miserable. Yeah. I just remember getting to the point where I loathed Fridays. Hmm. And... Um, I know I'm not alone in that. There are so many pastors that I know that one of their great pains is the sermon preparation process. Yeah. And I know one of the great commodities in our culture is time. Yeah. And especially I think the average some somewhere I got the numbers are in the book. I think it's somewhere around 50% of pastors spend somewhere around 15 hours on their on their sermon. Wow. And I think, you know, I'm in a position now where we're at a church that's bigger than the one that I was at, and we yeah. have a staff, and I, truthfully, I can give more time. But I remember being a church planter, and I, I can think about how many church planters I've known and know where 
the 15, the 20, the, I mean, sometimes 25, 30 hours that, that I personally know that guys are spending on their sermons. Like you don't have that. Yeah. Not if you're going to also shepherd and lead and uh, pastor and counsel and do all of the other things that's expected, especially of a church planter or a solo pastor or a pastor with a small staff. Yeah. And so my hope in writing started with just my own thing. How can I make this process more fruitful? Mm -hmm. Not just in the end result and that my sermon's better, but that I don't hate my life as much in the midst of prepping it. And so I completely reworked my process and this book, and I, and what I found in that was that not only did it make my week more fruitful, but um, I was actually, it was taking me less time at the desk yeah. to actually write. And so I found it to be much more, a better stewardship of my time yeah. as well. And it did help me learn uh, to write uh, a little bit faster yeah. as well. Which is interesting because that, so it, it frees up your time, which allows you to put that into other things mm-hmm. And I know, especially, you know, being alongside all, all the years at Redemption, mm-hmm. um, you know, leads to typically maybe some more time with people, able mm-hmm. to take more means, which I think leads to greater effectiveness as mm-hmm. you're in people's lives, seeing, shepherding people through what it means to follow the Lord mm-hmm. leads to, like, you're, you become a better preacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that I've heard Tim Keller talk mm-hmm. about, you know, that, especially as, you know, preachers are either beginning or, mm-hmm. or developing in that sort of thing. And so, yeah, it's interesting that like the way, and I've, and I've obviously gotten to seen it, see it and hear mm-hmm. it over the years, but, yeah. but part of the way that, that your, your preaching increased in quality was it decreased in time spent mm-hmm. preparing to yeah. preach. Tim Keller, I talk about this in the introduction, but he, he, uh, he was doing an interview somewhere and he referenced three things that he thinks really informs the, the quality of a person's preaching. One of them is the preparation, mm-hmm. how hard you work at it. But this, the other two, um, uh, the second one would be reps, mm. just the actual act of preaching. You yeah. get better the more that you do it. And then the third one is life experience. Yeah. And um, and so you, I, what I think most people think is if I just work harder in the study, it's going to produce like more hours in the study yeah. at the desk results in a better sermon on Sunday. Yeah. And no, I don't think that's necessarily true. Yeah. I think that um, Keller's right about reps is super important. And so the more opportunity that you get to preach, the better you're going get to get at it. And then the third thing is life experience, time in counseling, living mm-hmm. a life, doing normal things, going to the gym, yeah. um, doing all the things that, that you do. If, if you only live in a study all the time, you're not getting that all that life experience that I really do think makes you a more empathetic, more compassionate, more skilled um, preacher of God's word. Yeah, and I think it's one of the reasons why um, there, there, you've always had kind of, there's always been a stream of feedback when it comes to your preaching uh, from folks who may not have grown up in the church. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is their first time. They haven't mm-hmm. been to church in mm-hmm. years and years, but just they they feel like I can understand what he's saying. Yeah, and um, there's an accessibility, mm-hmm. and I think uh, it's because that's what happens when you spend more time just in life and in, in general interacting yeah. with more people and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, I hope that's true. I mean, definitely one of the greatest compliments that I get paid. Um, 
that I find the most personally encouraging mm-hmm. is in regard to clarity. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't care that people, you know, I just not super hung up on that people, everybody thinks that I'm like the smartest guy in the room because right. I'm for sure not. Um, I really want people to walk away. Even if they're like, I don't know if I agree with everything, I want to make sure they understand what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so clarity is a really big deal to me. So yeah. I work hard at that. Um, now I love the I love the the subtitle writing faithful sermons faster because uh-huh. um, I think there are um, there there are some who might believe that like the faithfulness of a sermon mm-hmm. is proportionate to mm-hmm. the time spent studying, mm-hmm. and so like what would what would you say to 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 if somebody had sort of that that sure. pushback what would your response be to that uh, i mean i don't it's not i don't think that that's entirely inaccurate i just don't necessarily think it's like a one to one correlation yeah. that the more time i spend in the study the more faithful that i will be yeah. so <clears throat> i think a couple points of clarity one is I've had some pushback from people on like eight hours is insane. There's just no way that that's possible. And so I think the thing that I've tried to tell people is um, it's not even so much about the number. Yeah. You know, like eight hours is this general number in that it's it's the the amount of time that I tend to spend at the desk in front of a computer or with a pad of paper where I'm doing my study work or all of that tends to be around eight hours. I'm also very much of the conviction that if you're a preacher, you're always prepping your sermon. Sure. Yeah. And so what I try to do is is to be careful about how I do my preparation so that I'm able to seize all that extra time Mm -hmm. to be thinking through in every counseling conversation, in my drive to and from work, on my run during the day, whatever it might be that I'm I'm still prepping, I'm just not sitting at the desk. And for a long time, I was spending hours upon hours just sitting at the desk. It wasn't bearing fruit and it was causing me to hate my life. And so this has helped me be able to free up more time. So I don't want people super hung up on on the eight hour thing. Right. Ultimately, it's about being better stewards with your time and having a more fruitful and faithful process. Yeah. As far as, I mean, I, I also think it's important to think through what constitutes a faithful sermon. Mm. And I have uh, the first chapter dedicated to these five marks of what I believe, like yeah. what I'm striving for. So I want it to be uh, saturated in scripture. Um, I am, um, for the most part, an expositional preacher. Um, so if I'm not going verse by verse through a book of the Bible, right now I'm preaching through John's gospel mm-hmm. for like the next decade. <laughs> yeah. um, but if I'm not doing that, then I tend to be in one passage. Um, and there have been, I think, truthfully, maybe five times in the history of my preaching where I've done a topical sermon and I'm not down on topical preaching. Uh, So that's why I've tried to, I've tried to not even frame this as purely like you have to be a verse by verse, entire book, expositional preacher to be faithful. I don't think the Bible says that. I think it's impossible to substantiate that biblically. But what I do believe is that faithful preaching, our call is to preach the word of God. So it should be saturated in scripture and that we should be doing the work to lead out the meaning of the text. So for sure has to be saturated in scripture. Secondly, it has to be Christ-centered. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe that the point of the Bible is to give us a bunch of moralistic truisms for us to obey in order to be right with God. Yeah. The entire message of the Bible is about the person and work of Christ. The Old Testament points forward to him and the New Testament um, exalts everything that he has done and then points us to what he will do when yeah. he returns. And I think that the scope of every text somehow has to be working toward that end. So it should be Christ-centered. 
third, it should be culturally contextualized Mm -hmm. in that, um, you know, it's not enough to just be faithful to the text. You have to also be faithful to the people who are listening to you and speak in, you know, first of all, a language, depending on where people are, you know, for me to go to, um, I don't know, Zimbabwe mm-hmm. and, and talk like I talk here in North Carolina probably is not going to go great for me. Probably not. And so... Um, I think there are a lot of snakes there too. Yeah, I don't think I would go just because <laughs> of the snakes. <clears throat> um, so you need to be culturally contextualized. Uh, I think our preaching needs to be directed to the whole person. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean the head, the heart, and the hands. I want to preach to the head in the way that someone thinks. I want to preach to the heart in the way that someone feels. Um, and then to the hands um, regarding what someone does, yeah. you know, preaching for application that we would not just be, as James says, hearers of the word, but doers also. Big time, yep. And then the fifth mark, I think, of a faithful sermon is that it's proca- proclaimed boldly, you know, without apology, without trying to mince words and make everyone feel okay about it. I don't ever want to be unnecessarily offensive because I'm being a jerk. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't want to pull punches the Bible doesn't pull yeah. at the same time. So um, those are the five things that I'm really after when I'm writing a sermon. And I don't necessarily think that if I spent, that I have not seen that the more hours that I spend at my desk guarantees a more faithful product in the pulpit. Yeah. Um, so I think that I've just tried to develop um, my process in a way that bears the most fruit and is the best stewardship of my time. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I know that I've seen my uh, myself, so the opportunities I have had to, to preach over the years, mm-hmm. um, different preachers that uh, you've poured into or, mm-hmm. or, or developed. Um, I've seen this, the, the system really work. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense that it takes some of the, it takes some of the, um, uh, the the pressure and some of the. It, it can be daunting to sit down in front of a blank page and know like Sunday's coming. And I I, I have done it very rarely. Yeah. To do that every week. I feel that every terrifying. Sunday when I pull out of the church parking lot. <laughs> yeah. I'm like I can't believe I have to do that again. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, but I've seen the the this process. Um, bring a lot of confidence to like, it's, it's still, it's still such a um, tall task, Mm -hmm. but confidence at least to the fact that, um, but I like, I know how to take the first step Mm -hmm. and I know kind of how to get from where I am to where I need to be, which often is what, makes people just feel overwhelmed. I know sure. I've had times where it's just, it's not necessarily what I need to do, but it's, it's the amount and it's the, it's the, I don't have a, a plan or a system for this. Yeah. And so it just feels heavy. Yeah. Um, and so I've seen this, you know, bring a lot of that. And I yeah. think that I'm excited for uh, people outside of, you know, whether it be redemption or mm-hmm. here at, here at um, Harvest and Hickory to, mm-hmm. to be able to um, kind of get, get some of that for themselves. Yeah. yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, I don't I don't live under I don't think that everybody needs to read the book and then adopt the entire process. Sure. I know as a preacher I wouldn't do that. Yeah. And so I don't have an expectation that everyone will. My I I do hope and pray that regardless of how how long someone's been preaching that there's something yeah. that helps them. I know every preaching book I've read for the most part there's at least one thing that really does help shape the way I think about preaching or preparation. Yeah. And so I'm I'm hopeful that that will be the case here. Cool. And then I do think that there will be, um, you know, hopefully some, some younger preachers, uh, or people that are just really frustrated in their process where this is like, a this changes everything. Yeah. I hope that does happen because it did for me. Yeah. 
And, um, and a lot of it was tied to everything that you just described. And so the three things that I really tried to think through was, was rather than load it all on one day or two days was to, was, was to build a process around divided work. Mm -hmm. So I had something, something that I I was doing a little bit every day as opposed to just, and again, that might be a a preferential thing for me. I prefer that to one day or two days. That's all that. And I know some preachers that that do that yeah. and seem to thrive in that. I did not. Yeah. And I think that there are others like me who did not as well. Yeah. So divided works a really big deal. Uh, daily milestones, I think is that's one thing that you were pointing to. I just know as a, as an early preacher in preparation, you know, it was like, it's Wednesday at three. And I was like, I think I've done enough. I don't yeah. really know what I'm supposed to have done. <laughs> yeah. And so I have tried to give a daily milestone. So here's what you should do on Monday. Here's what you should have done on Tuesday. Mm. You know, basically to break the pro- process up over the course of about four to five days yep. so that people know exactly to, to know that I'm on task here's what I need to have done today. Yeah. So every day there's a daily milestone. And then the third thing that has been big for me is determined deadlines. Okay. So I have found that when I have all day long to accomplish a task, I tend to be fairly inefficient with my time. Mm. And I have found that putting time constraint on, you have one hour to do this, makes me much more fruitful. Yeah. Because I'm I'm way more focused. I'm less prone to like lose an hour on Instagram or some stupid waste of time like that. Right. Because I don't have that luxury. Yeah. And so when I started to force determined deadlines on myself to know. I've got two hours to do this task on Monday with my milestone. I've got one hour on Tuesday to do this thing. That really made me make the most of the time that I have. And yeah. all of that is what has led to those three things of divided work, daily milestones, determined deadlines. That is what has helped me spend less time at the desk and have a more faithful sermon at the end of the yeah, week. It's awesome. And you go into detail on some of that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. In the book? Yes. Good. No, that was it. That's that was actually, it. that's all of it. It's a shorter book. It's a shorter book. Yeah. It's more like a pamphlet. It's like a cardboard one. I have a two-year-old. <laughs> you just open it up. Yeah. It's got yeah. pictures. It's got a pop-up. Remember pop-up books? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Remember they were them. amazing. Yeah. But yeah. I, I aspire to write a pop-up preaching book someday. That would be awesome. Yeah. Um, well, as far as, uh, as far as just switching gears a bit, as far mm-hmm. as in the rooms concerned, um, I know you've already recorded a, a handful yep. of interviews. Yep. Um, so are there a couple that you can tell us that, that'll be coming out and yeah. then, um, yeah, what's kind of the plan for that moving forward? Yeah, I think, um, I, I mean, I still really, I've missed doing it. It's yeah. just taken me a while to kind of figure out what the rhythm is to, to find the margin, to be able to, uh, capture these converse, prepare for conversations and capture them. Yeah. And, you know, most of the time I'm interviewing someone that has written something. Yeah. And so I like to have read that so that I can have some sort of articulate conversation with a person. So I feel like I've gotten to a good spot now after a year and I'm ready to slide back into that. I think we've done five or six conversations already. Cool. Um, I just talked to Jeff Vanderstelt again. He's the first person that I've had on twice now. Yeah. Uh, he has a new book out called Gospel Fluency, which is great. So that one's coming up. I talked to Leonard Sweet, who uh, has written like a hundred books <laughs> about all kinds of stuff, but he has uh, a very interesting new book called The Bad Habits of Jesus. Mm. 
So we talked about that. Um, HB Charles Jr. is coming back on, who is Sweet. one of my favorite people that I talk to. So I think our, our um, hope is just to jump back into these conversations. I know one thing that we're going to do a little bit differently is I think that um, I wanted to involve you a little bit more in the podcast. Yeah. So I think we are going to spend a little bit more time talking before and after um, of what we're going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. And then also what we did talk about, what we heard, what jumped out to us. I find that t- type of processing super helpful. Yeah, And so um, I think we're going to incorporate uh, more of that, which I think uh, will be really good. And as always, I, I hope that you know we'll continue to let people know who we're going to be talking to and be able to get their questions through social media yeah. and all of that for people as well. Good. Well, I'm excited uh, to do that. Um, I'm excited to, you know, for the book to come out and I know you've worked super hard on it and, uh, it's got to feel good to know that just like a couple, a week or two. Two weeks, yeah. I mean, today, so today's Tuesday when we're recording this. It's technically two weeks from today. Yeah. So, so that's super exciting, and um, and yeah, I'm 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 glad myself to to be here and uh, to kind of be able to, um, you know, to partner on some of this stuff and to um, yeah, to continue to see what God does here, uh, here at the church, um, and. Um, yeah, believing believing good things for the future. So. Yeah, it's going to be great. And good. thanks to you for all your help on this. So, uh, as always, if people want to uh, get uh, past episodes, they can find in the room on iTunes, or you can just go to my blog ryanhugley.com. Um, you can follow me on social media. Ryan Hugley is my handle on everything. Yours is Scott Holthouse yep. on everything. Is that right? So yep. people can follow you. And uh, we would love to have people along for this ride. And uh, just thanks so much to everybody who has listened and uh, been. If you're still listening after a year away, that's yeah. a small miracle. So thanks for that. You should deserve some gift of some kind. Yeah, and we're if probably you, not going to do that, but no, that's, your, your reward yeah. will be in heaven. It is in heaven, yeah. and just in the adoration that we have in our heart for you. That's right. Which that's a really big one because <laughs> I have huge. so much adoration. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks for listening.